0: I want you to open your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 6. If you brought your Bible journal with you, and I hope you did, make sure you hang on to that. Bring it every week and uh, keep taking notes within it so you'll have something, a resource you can go back to for years and years to come. It's on page 478. And today we're going to be walking through as we continue our sermon series, Beyond Belief. uh, As we're looking at the miracles of Jesus, we're going to be talking about the one miracle that uh, is found in all four of the Gospels. Now, a lot of people say it's the only miracle that is found in all four of the Gospels, which would be an inaccurate statement, because another miracle that is also found in all four of the Gospels is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And certainly that is one that we will certainly put up there as the greatest miracle, because that's the one that continues to change our lives even still today. But we do want to find, like, what can we learn From those moments in Jesus' ministry throughout his journey, when he spoke words of healing, when he raised the the dead, when he uh, walked in and and, and multiplied, as we're going to talk about today, the feeding of the 5,000, when he did what did not make sense, when he would, for a moment, that he would alter the natural laws and in a supernatural way, do what did not make sense in the lives of so many people. What can we learn from that today? What can we learn from this story today, from the feet of the 5,000? How can that impact us in our own journeys and in our own lives today? So we're going to go John chapter 6. Again, we could read it from any of the four Gospels, but uh, we're going to read it from the, the passage in John because there's a couple of nuances, I think, that John recorded uh, in his Gospel of this miracle that I think can help us to learn uh, uh, and see a a special kind of uh, a little element to this story, to this miracle that can help us uh, in the journeys where we need God to show up and do miracles in our own lives. So let's read. We're going to begin with verse one of John chapter six, and it says this, after these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little." One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. And then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, obviously, this is a passage of scripture that most of us are familiar with. We've heard this story many, many times. We have read about it. We've seen the, you know, for those of us who are over a certain age, we've seen the flannel graph stories. How many have seen this in a flannel graph story back when you were a kid? Yeah, all the ones in the room, like, what in the world is a flannel graph, right? So flannel graph basically is a low-tech version of uh, VeggieTales. Okay, that really is what it all is. That, That basically is what uh, flannel graph is. And it's a story where we had the opportunity of seeing, even as a little kid, what Jesus did when he was gathered there on that hillside when uh, they were walking through this time when they wanted to feed everyone. Now, let's just give a little bit of context here in this story. And again, this is one of the reasons that we chose the John passage to uh, to kind of walk this through. In John chapter 6, it starts with that statement in the first verse there. And it says... That after these things, that they uh, went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, understand, there's an interesting gap between chapter 5 of the book of John and chapter 6. In fact, there's about either six months to a year gap between chapter 5 and chapter 6. Now, when you read that, and you get to verse six, and it, uh, verse one of chapter six, and it says, "After these things," you immediately in your mind think that what it's referring to is after the things that just happened in the previous chapter. But now, literally, there's about a gap of about a year. We know that because in chapter five, verse one, it talks about how Jesus was at a feast, the Passover, in Jerusalem, uh, at the beginning of chapter five. And now, here in chapter six, it also is talking about that there's a feast of the Jews, and they're coming together. And so, when you look at the calendars see there's a, a break of six months to a year between the two and so he's sitting there he's up in the the Galilee region in fact we've got a we've got a map that I'll just kind of show you put a picture up on the screen here and you'll see the sea of Galilee that's there in the middle now uh, you know, many of the times we see Jesus in the Galilee area he's over there on the left-hand side you see where it says Capernaum there and so, you know, he's in this region, he's in this area, but uh, after all of the things that he's doing, all of the miracles that he's performing, the different things that he's doing, and of course, many of them are not recorded. Uh, John even talked about, hey, if we recorded everything that Jesus did, the volumes of the earth could not contain it. But yet uh, we know that there were so many things going on that Jesus was doing that crowds just, just gathered, throngs of people coming to see this man named Jesus, not because they believed, not because their lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus but rather because they wanted to see the show. Uh, they were kind of like the Swifties of the day, if you will. And they were following around this guy named Jesus because they wanted to see all the cool things that he's doing because they were just it, it was remarkable. They'd never seen anything like this. And so they they followed him everywhere. And this passage says that, that after all of this was taking place, that he wanted to get off into a private place and, and spend some time with his disciples and to teach them. And so it says, and you see this map, that it, that they went out on the sea and they, they made their way up and uh, to another place, to a private place. But the people actually saw where Jesus was going. They watched the boat. And by the way, the Sea of Galilee is not that large. If you've ever been there, you can see across it pretty easily. So when he left one spot... They literally just kind of ran along the side of, the, uh, of the, the coastline, following the boat to the private place. And the passage even says that they arrived before Jesus even got there, before he even arrived where he was going. They were there until thousands and thousands of people were surrounding that wanted to see this guy, wanted to see this man, wanted to hear what he had to say. And so he gathered them together and he began to teach. It says in other passages and other recordings of this, uh, this situation that he healed people and he was healing them of their diseases and, and, and he's speaking to them and he's teaching them and, and so then the day grew long and they're there and there's thousands of them. The scripture says 5,000 men, which means that there were probably a lot more than 5,000 men because of the women and children. Matthew chapter uh, 14 talks about that. And so they're all gathered there and then we come to the great situation. We come to the moment where Jesus wanted to provide food for all of them. And so here's where we can start to learn some things about this passage that we can apply in our own lives. The first thing that we can learn here uh, from this story that we can apply to our own is the fact that in this moment when Jesus had all of these people gathered together on that hillside, the need was great. The need was huge. Go back to the passage, if you will, and read in verse... uh, Uh, In verse 5 and 6, it says, Then Jesus, he lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. In other words, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Like this did not catch Jesus by surprise, but he actually did test Philip. Now, Philip is one of those disciples that we don't hear a whole lot about. We don't see a lot of uh, sermons by him or statements by him. And so it's an interesting thought of like, like why exactly is it that Jesus asked the question of Philip? Now, we go back to the map. Let's put the map back up on the screen for a moment. We'll see why Jesus asked Philip this question. Because remember now, they've traveled up and you see where Capernaum is there. And then somewhere up around Capernaum, and today it's a place called Tabgha We'll talk about that in a few moments. But it's a place where going all the way back to the 4th century AD, it is believed that this is where Jesus actually performed this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And it's right there above Capernaum. And so they're gathered there. And if we read in the scriptures, we talk about Philip. We learned that Philip actually came from Bethsaida. And you see that Bethsaida is up on the right hand side there, right at the top of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, also, in one, I think it's in Mark chapter six, or maybe it's in Luke chapter nine, where it actually talks about the fact that this city where they found there, this, this deserted place where they found themselves, was actually owned by Bethsaida. Now, so the place where they gathered, the hillside where they were, maybe Topka, Uh, They're gathered there. They're out in a desolate place. Thousands of people, upwards of 15, maybe 20,000 people are gathered there wanting to see what this man named Jesus had to say and what he would do. And so Jesus asked the disciple, Philip, who happened to be from that region, the question, where can we buy food so that that we may feed these people? Now, what that teaches us right up front is the need was great. When you think that they're out in the middle of nowhere, they're out in a deserted place, And Jesus asked Philip, you know, the question, like, where can we buy some food? You know, Philip, obviously his mind is like kind of just spinning because he's sitting there thinking like, I'm from this area. You know, if there's like a, a, you know, a a Walmart super center near there, Philip would know where it was. He would because he's from that area. And so Jesus asked the question and Philip is sitting there saying like, man, it's just too big. The need is too great. There's no way that we could feed all these people. There's no way that we could get enough food. In fact, other passages tell that the disciples told Jesus, send these people away. Like make them go out and find their own food. But Jesus was not going to have that. Jesus wanted to take care of them himself. It says that he was moved with compassion. Matthew 14, Mark chapter uh, 6 says the exact same thing. That he was moved with compassion over this crowd that was gathered there. And so it teaches us like the need was great in this situation. There were a lot of people there who needed food. They were hungry. They've been there all day long. It's kind of like last Sunday here at Thomas Road. The 21-day fast was coming to an end. There were a lot of hungry people in the room. Uh, I was here last week. If I would have preached this message last week, it would not have been a good week to preach it. Because it would have been, well, maybe it would have been. Because we all would have, those of us fasting from food, like we would have got, like we understand we're all very hungry And the disciples wanted to send them all away, but Jesus knew that there was a teachable moment in here. Now understand, whenever Jesus knew that there was a teachable moment to be had, he was going to take it. And he wasn't just going to take it for the people who were gathered there on the hillside with him. Jesus was going to make this a teachable moment for us. Because as I sit here and look around this room today, with, by the way, about 5,000 seats in this room. You look around this room today and you see that When you kind of put the context together in the picture, I know that there are a lot of needs that are great in this room today. There's a lot of people in this room that are sitting there, man, the need seems to be like over the top overwhelming. Like it is too big. It is too great. Don't know what to do and don't know where to turn. I know that as we look around this room, as we heard the list that Matt shared a few moments ago, there are people on that list that are desperate For some kind of relief, desperate for God to show up and do something that suspends the the natural laws that that, that go beyond what is the natural to the supernatural. And that's what they need. I was talking this morning uh, by text with Ben Crosswhite and Ben was sharing with me about Amanda now who is 28 years old. She's been on a ventilator this entire week and, and the doctors are, are saying that, you know, that they really can't take her off the ventilator because she's not strong enough to breathe on her own. And, and they're hoping that they can get to the point in the next four or five days where they can get her off of the ventilator. And, and they're, they're obviously the concerns and the prayers that they're like, there's praying for a miracle and you're sitting back like, Ben is a guy who understands the need is great. Ben understands this morning how great this need is, and and everyone in this room, we all have those pictures, we all have those situations in our journey that are just like that. This story teaches us the needs were great, but it also teaches us a second part of the story that the chances were small. You see, the need was great, but the chances of anything happening to, to take care of the need were so infinitesimal, so small, like there's no way That there can be an answer to this. Let's continue to read this passage in verse 7. And so Philip answered this question. And he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Now what he answered the question was he said, listen, Jesus, like, like 200 denarii would not even take care of this. 200 denarii would not be enough for everybody in the room just to even have a crumb. Now, different commentators have different views on why uh, Philip mentioned that statement, 200 denarii. Some people believe that it's because there was an accounting of the treasury of the disciples, like like this group of traveling evangelists that were following around with Jesus. We know that Judas was the the treasurer. And some believe that he probably had done an accounting of what was left in the bank account, so to speak. Like, what money did they actually have? And they had about 200 denarii, some people think. Now, a denarii, by the way, is is basically the one day's wage for a common laborer. So for everybody in the room, if you just think for a moment about like what, you know, what you make when you have a payday, if you have a payday, you know, every two weeks or twice a month or whatever that might be, and you break that down by the day, like, like how much it is that you make per day. So a denarii is equal to like what you would make in a day's time. And so what Philip was saying is like, it would take 200 days for for the people in this gathered here to even have like a crumb, Like, like that wouldn't even do it. Some people think it wasn't because what they had in the treasury, but some were thinking that Philip was just simply doing some math in his head of looking across the, you know, the landscape and seeing all the people that were gathered there thinking like it would take eight months worth of, of income to even provide enough where they could get like one little crumb, one little sliver of something to eat. It doesn't even make sense, Jesus. Ultimately, what Philip was saying is like, man, there's no hope. Like, Jesus, what are you thinking about? We, we, we already asked you to send everybody on their way. In other words, let the people take care of themselves. Like, let them worry about it on their own. Let them get their own food. But Jesus said, no, 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 what, what, what would it take? Like, where can we buy them food? And Philip's like, man, they, they, even if we could, we wouldn't have enough to be able to do it. And so you see kind of the element of the teachable moment because already know we already know that Jesus was just simply testing them. He was leading them into a trap, right? He was walking them down the path because he had something to say and he had something to do. And so we see that the need here, the situation was so great, so overwhelming. The problem was so big that the chances of anything coming along that could actually meet that need were so small and so out of the question, so out of the realm of possibility. So now you can see How Jesus is kind of weaving this story to make this something that that all of us are going to learn something, right? And so he asks this question, where can we buy them food? Philip's like, man, it would take eight months worth of of income and we still wouldn't be able to do it. But then we see now not only that we had this situation where the need was great and and the chances of fixing it were small. But now we also see that the, the resources that are available were few. Go back to this passage, if you would, in verse 8. In verse 8, it says this. And one of his disciples, that's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, also, by the way, from Bethsaida, uh, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but but what are they among so many? So now Andrew, who most likely had been overhearing everything that had been taking place with, with Philip, he had, under, he had overheard the question of where can we buy the food here. He, he had overheard Philip's answer, like, like even if we had 200 days wages, like we couldn't provide enough here. And so Andrew, again, one of those disciples that we don't hear a lot of like vocal statements from, a lot of sermons from, but Andrew's like just busy. He's just like working. And so while all of this is taking place, he goes out and he starts looking around to see if maybe he can pull together some resources, Right. Seeing if he can gather together some stuff that, that maybe he'd be able to find something. And he says, Hey, I found this kid. And this kid's got his little lunch pail with him. You know, he's got his little Evil Knievel lunch pail with him. And by the way, again, for old people, that was for the old people. Um, I actually have an Evil Knievel lunch pail that, that, that someone gave me a, a few years ago. And it's, I, I looked at, it's worth like $450. This, it was like from 19th. Has nothing to do with the sermon, but I think that's pretty cool. But anyway, so he's got, the kid's got this little lunch pail, and in this lunch pail, he's got five loaves and two fish. We've all heard the story, right? Now, it's important to know that when you read this passage, you look at the story, it says that there's, he has five barley loaves. And, and that, that Greek word there is the Greek word artos, which literally means like, almost like the idea of a, of a little small cake. It was a little cake that was maybe about an inch thick, and maybe the, the size of like, if I were making a circle here, kind of like a really big biscuit, So these were not like the big French loaf bread things that you see like, you know, the Frenchman walking down the street, you know, with a big log of bread that they're carrying. No, no, it wasn't like that. It says five loaves, but literally these were like five little, little biscuits there. And then you also go on to say, and John is the one passage. And again, this is the reason why I chose this passage, because it says that, and he had two small fish, the Greek word absarion, which literally means like, like little sardines. How many of you like sardines? Some weird people in this place. <laughs> Great to have you here. Um, but these small little sardines, so these were not like these big massive fish, right? It's not like they've got like, you know, like the big halibut or, or salmon or something. I mean, like these were literally like these small little sardines, like little slivers. And so he finds this little boy who's got his little lunch pail, he's got his little lunch bag, and in this lunch bag, he's got five biscuits and two sardines. Now, I went out this morning. And I found some biscuits. I did not even look for sardines, okay? But what I did is I went out and I got some biscuits here. And so this little kid, he had five biscuits. He had five biscuits that he had there for his lunch. And then, because I didn't want to get fish, because that's just nasty, um, I got some chicken biscuits, okay? So I got two chicken biscuits. So chicken is like the Christian version of sardines, right? I mean, you've never heard sardine fillet, have you? It's Chick Fil A, right? Okay, and so, uh, so, 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 I got two chicken biscuits here, and I got five uh, regular just butter biscuits here, and you're sitting there like, like, and this is what they had, and so the resources that they had were few. Like this little kid had a bag of of, of five biscuits and 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 two chicken biscuits, and that's all that he had, and and Andrew said like like here's all that we have. But then Andrew said, if you read that passage, we read it a moment ago, and he said, but what are these for a crowd so big? Like what kind of impact would that have? Now, again, for illustrative purposes, I mentioned it a few moments ago, in this room, there's about 5,000 seats. So everybody just look around, look around. Okay, so you see about 5,000 seats are in this room. Now, remember, this passage tells us that there were, there were 5,000 men, and likely there were probably anywhere from 8, 9, 10, upwards of 20,000 people that were gathered. But, but just for the purposes of this illustration, let's just talk about this room, 5,000 seats in this room. And the need was great, and the chances of meeting the need was so small. Why? Because the resources were so few. There were five biscuits and two chicken biscuits, and that's all they had. And so Andrew says, "Like this is all we've got." Now you think about the idea here of taking something like this and feeding everybody. Look look around. Look around. See all the people in the room. Does everybody see all the people in the room? The idea, the possibility—seriously, you can feed all these people with? There's no way that can happen. And so if Andrew would have walked out and said, here's what I've got. And so I've got like, I've got, I've got like five biscuits here. I've got five biscuits. Okay. And, 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 and so you've got five biscuits here and probably some people in the other room up in the balcony. I can't even see you up there. All right. You Oh, there we go. Okay. There's your biscuit. Okay. I'm going out for Liberty football next year. It's a uh, uh, and so, so, so we got, we got now three left. We got one biscuit left and we've got a, we've got the two sardines. Who wants the sardines? All right. Oh, they're, they're like, somebody didn't have breakfast. That girl right there is like, I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten in a month. Okay. There you go. There's your biscuit. Okay. And, and then it's, so there's, there's one more here. And so I'm going to go in the balcony again. Again, I can't see you. Someone's about to get killed with chicken. There you go. Okay. So. So now 5,000 seats in the place, right? 5,000 people gathered here. And all that Andrew could come up with is like, I got five little biscuits and two little sardines. But what is that for something so big? Now, here's the teachable moment. Every time in our journeys, when we're walking through a situation where we face a problem, When we face a challenge, when we face something that is so overwhelming, that problem that we're walking through is similar to the problem that presented itself that day. Because you're sitting back thinking, it's just too much. It's just too big. There's no way that I can walk through this. There's no way that I can make it there. I don't have the help. I don't have the resources. I, I don't have the, you know, the, 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 the ability to, to make that work. There's just no way that this is going to happen. Like, how can I make it through? The need is too great. And the chances of meeting that need are, it's way too small because the resources there, they're, they're too few. And so what can we learn? And what did Jesus wanted to teach them? That when Jesus is here, everything changes. Go back to this passage in verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place. And so the men sat down and number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. And so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And and therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Let me point you to a couple of statements in here that I think are so vitally important. Some things that, that we really, really need to to kind of underline or highlight or circle in your Bible so that when you walk through the moment in your life where the need is too great and the chances are too small and the resources are too few, that you'll remember that when Jesus is near, everything changes. So you go back to this passage after Jesus made them all sit down and and after he prayed and blessed these, these five biscuits and these two sardines, and the disciples began to pass them out. Look what it says in this passage it says they passed out the bread and they passed out the fish. And look what it says there uh, in in verse uh, 12. And they had as much as they wanted. Circle that statement, as much as they wanted. Highlight it, underline it, as much as they wanted. Now what that tells us is this, that that those five little biscuits and those two little sardines that were passed out among the crowd that day after Jesus blessed them, after he prayed over them. It says that of the 5,000 people there plus, whatever that number plus equaled to, it says that not only did they get something to eat, not only did they have an opportunity of, of eating bread or eating fish that day, it said they had as much as they wanted now a few moments ago, I threw out seven biscuits in this room, five biscuits and, and the two proverbial fish that were actually chicken, and thank God for that, for those of you who got them. And I passed those out, and I want you to realize, like like the seven people who got those in this room by the way, the seven people who got them just raise your hand. No, stand up. Seven people who caught them. Raise your, stand up. Stand up. So, one, two, three. balcony over here, four, five. Uh, balcony over here. Where's the one I hit in the balcony over there? There's six. Okay. I'm missing somebody. Where's seven? All right. Well, well, I don't know where they are. Back there. Okay, cool. Let me ask you a question while you're still standing. Did, did y'all, did any of you take bites of those? Did any of you eat them? Anybody at all? You. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> he still has the wrapper open. In fact, get him on video. Turn Turn the camera around. <laughs> turn. Yeah, so... When he was the first one to stand, and he stood like this. What's your name? He's still eating. I'm Brock. You're Brock. Mm-hmm. You hungry? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was really thinking, man, I hope I get a biscuit. Well, you, you, I'm well, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you were blessed today, I'm thrilled that you're. I really was. Yeah, just keep eating. I don't want to, yeah. don't want to bother you here. Yeah, I'll get You, you will, yeah. So, so. So, you know, we have just these people, right? By the way, and so Brock's over here eating. He's eating, let's see, you've eaten almost uh, about maybe two-thirds of it, right? I'm going to finish it. I know you're going to, trust me, I know you're going to finish it. But probably by the time I get back to the stage, he's going to finish it. But (laughs) the point is, if you think about those seven things that I threw out, and you think about this many people that were gathered in that place, plus more, and They all got everything that they could have wanted. In other words, they didn't get like the communion wafer that tastes like cardboard. (laughs) They got as much as they wanted. Now, some people wanted less, I'm sure. Some people are fine if they eat just like one slice of pizza. Some people want two slices of pizza. Last Sunday night, I wanted 18 slices of pizza. (laughs) So people do different way, like, but here's the deal. No matter who it was, no matter how many people, they all got everything that they wanted. Isn't that a great statement? Like, they didn't get like a, a little morsel. They didn't get like a, a, a taste of good. They didn't get a taste of what could satisfy. They didn't get a taste of what could fill. They got as much as they wanted. That's exactly what happens when Jesus shows up. That it doesn't matter how great the need, it doesn't matter how challenging the situation, doesn't matter how broken you might feel, doesn't matter how overwhelming everything might seem, that Jesus shows up and no matter how great the need and how small the chance and how few the resources, that they got everything that they Wanted, but it's still not done. Because it said, as much as they wanted, so then they were filled. They were filled. In other words, no more hunger. They were full. They had gotten to the place where they pushed back from the table. You know, they had, some of them had reached down and they'd undone the button of their pants. You know, I mean they were full. I mean they were like like this is way this is like end of Thanksgiving dinner, right? They are full. And isn't that just like Jesus that when we have a need that is so great that we don't know how we're going to make it through, that that when we trust in him and what he can do, what only he can do, not only will he show up in the midst of our need, he will show up to fill our need and he will show up to Ephesians 3.20 exceedingly abundantly more than our need, that he will give us far more than we ever could have wanted. And that's what Jesus does. And that's what this story is found in the scriptures to do. To teach us not about what took place 2,000 years ago on the shores of, of the Sea of Galilee. Today, if you show up in that place, you'll see a place, that place called Tagba. If you look at a picture here, looking down, it says that they went up on the hillside. And obviously when they gathered, this is the place. In fact, you see the churches that are there, churches that have been built back in the fourth century over top of the spot that they believed that Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish. If you went inside that church, you would see this mosaic that again goes all the way back to uh, the fourth century, where they have the two sardines. Which, by the way, I think chicken are better, but still the two sardines. And and you've got a basket there that represents the the bread. You'll notice there the kind the bread that's sitting there. It's not some long loaves. What does the what does the bread look like? What does it look like? It looks like Brock's biscuit. Well, it looked like what Brock's biscuit started. It, now, now it doesn't, but. And you see that today, that that's the spot that goes all the way back. That traditionally believe that's where Jesus did this, right? But then they're still not done because it says that everyone got everything that they wanted, and then it says that everyone was filled. Wait for it. And then Jesus said, "Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost." You should underline or highlight that statement so that nothing is lost. Because here's another teachable moment by Jesus. Another great statement that Jesus gives us in this moment because here's the picture. The picture is this. Yes, God will meet your need. And yes, he will fill it. And yes, he will full to overflowing. He will take care of it. But then God's not done because he doesn't want anything to be wasted so that nothing is lost. In other words, Complete renewal and restoration is what comes through the power of a miracle-working God. And so the disciples went out and you know the story. They gathered 12 baskets full of what started with five biscuits and two sardines. They fed upwards of 20,000 people and they ended with more than they started. Let me say that again. And they ended with more than with what they started with. That's a great lesson of the power of God in our lives. That when we allow God to show up and do the miraculous in our journeys, not only will God fill the need, not only will he meet the situation, but he takes us far beyond and at the end of the day, we will end up better off than we ever hoped we could have begun. And that's what God does. So let me give you a couple of quick just points of application from this lesson, this sermon, or this, this, this miracle that we read about in scriptures that we've heard a thousand times. And let me just give you these quick thoughts. They'll be on the screen so you can take a picture, or write them down or something like that or whatever you. So you can remember them as you go through the rest of your day and week and month and years, of life. Here's the first one, don't ever allow yourself to be overwhelmed by the great needs in your life. Don't ever be like Philip, don't ever be like Andrew where they said, there's just no way, the need is too great. Throwing their hands up in, 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 in resignation like, like there's nothing that we can do. It's just too big. It's too much. Don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed by the great needs in your life. If Jesus can feed upwards of 15,000 people with five biscuits and a couple of sardines, what do you think God can do in your life? Second thing, spend less time complaining about your options. I can't tell you how many times I have had the, the opportunity of hearing from people going through great crises in life and and they'll sit there and, and they'll share with me the problem. They'll share with me the challenge they're walking through. And then honestly, I, I've many times sat for, for an extended period of time listening to them complain about why their problem is too big and how they just there's no way that they can make it through and the options that there's not there and complaining about all the situations surrounding their problem. And rather than looking for solutions, they get fixated on the reason why the problem is too great. So don't allow yourself to complain about the options available. The third thing is give all of your resources to God. You think about that little kid who had his five biscuits and his two sardines. Now, if you think about it now, this kid was a pretty smart kid. Because this was his lunch, right? And he had five biscuits and two sardines. Now, the sardines thing again, like, that's just weird. Weird. But let's just say it was like what I threw out in this room today. Five biscuits and two chicken biscuits. That sounds like a pretty good breakfast, don't you think? Like, I mean, that's more than probably most people in the room had for breakfast, except for Brock, who probably is still eating. <laughs> I mean, this is a smart little kid, but you think about it. Like, like in the, when the problem came up, like, like he gave everything he had to God. And remember what we just talked about a moment ago? At the end of the story... They ended up with more than what they started with. It's not in the story, but I'm guessing that if that little boy came up to Jesus afterwards and said, "Uh, Jesus, yeah, that (laughs) that was my food, that Jesus probably gave him like 10 biscuits and four sardines back. And I know that the kid was satisfied, why? Because they all ate everything that they could have wanted and they were all filled. So give your resources to God when the problems show up. Just hand it all over to him. Now, obviously that doesn't mean like go to your refrigerator and start throwing bread into the heavens, okay? What I'm talking about is submitting yourself 100% to him saying, God, here I am. God, everything that I am and everything that I have, God, it is all yours. God, I trust you in this situation. And that is the proverbial giving your resources to God, giving your five biscuits and two sardines to God, saying, God, here it is. I trust you. And finally, let him lead you through. Trust him to do what he already has promised to do. He's already promised in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. All of these things will be added to you. All of these things will be added to you. And what will be added to you? Ephesians, yes. (laughs) You're listening, great. But also in Ephesians 3.20 where he says, and exceedingly abundantly more. You see, just take Jesus at his word. He's promised to give you everything that you need and so much more. Thus is the power of a miracle-working God. And that's what God wants to do for you. So today, I know in your life, there are people in this room that you're sitting back just like Philip and Andrew on that hillside that day that needs too great. Chances of fixing this saying, man, it's just, it's too small. I don't have enough. The resources are too few. But never forget, Jesus is here. Let's pray. God, thank you for the promise of your word that teaches us, that instructs us, that leads us to believe and know that no matter what we might be walking through, God, that you're enough. And you're so much more. And so God, today for people in this room who are walking through those seasons of, of hurt, those seasons of want, those seasons of uh, of difficulty, of, of overwhelming challenges, God, I pray that today the lessons of this passage would be that, that they would see and understand, God, that you will be all that they need, that you will bring them through in victory. God, I pray that you would help them to recognize that great truth. And God, for the people in this room today, maybe watching, listening, who have never come to the place of recognition, God, that you are the God who holds our lives in his hand. That you are the God who loves us no matter what we have done in our past, that you love us so much that you gave your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And that he paid for that ultimate need that we never could have paid for on our own, that we never could have overcome, that we never could have had enough to get by that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And and God, what he did on the cross when he died and when he rose again three days later, gives to us the solution to our greatest need. And that is the need for salvation, grace, of mercy, and the hope and the promise of heaven. And God, if there's somebody here or watching, listening, that's never made that decision to trust in you, Lord, I pray that this would be the moment they would. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, our team is gathering here at the front. Today, we're gonna we're gonna stand and we're just gonna sing through one time. The altar's gonna be open. The altar's gonna be open for people to come and to kneel here and just say, God, I've got a need. So God, I'm giving you my resources. Here are my five biscuits and two sardines, God, and I'm handing them to you today. Maybe you need to come and you just need to make that your prayer. Maybe you wanna come and write a prayer request down and leave it here at the altar. Maybe you want to come and talk with one of our our pastors or one of our counselors, one of our team members here. Maybe you want to come and, hey, I want to meet Jesus today. Like whatever your need is, whatever that situation is, let's all stand and Zach's going to lead us. and, And as we sing through this morning, the altar is open, the invitation is given. The needs are great and the chances are small and the resources are few, but our God, he is so Big. So today, whatever God is speaking to you to do, let's do. Zach, lead us if you would.
1: we creation suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south and east to west We did Christ be magnified and worth all
0: Father, today we are so grateful for your presence and your power in our lives. We are grateful for, Lord, the miraculous work that you have done through our salvation and you continue to do every day of our lives. God, I pray as we walk from here today that we would recognize and see that no matter what the need is that we might face, God, that you are not only enough, that you are more than we could ever desire, and that, God, you will fill us with your presence. And God, we are grateful for that promise. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. The altar remains open. Brock, you're welcome for the biscuit. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We wanna help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.